If you're a fan of sacks and you love the Seattle Seahawks, well, Monday Night Football was just for you. The Seahawks with a record-tying night in a beatdown of the Giants at MetLife Stadium. I'm going to be breaking it all down on our latest post-game edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks Podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Seattle or here in nearby Jersey City, New Jersey. Greatly appreciate you, each and every one of you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. This post-game edition episode is brought your way by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedInNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedInNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The Seahawks were looking for a third straight win heading into their bye week and faced a tough task traveling cross-country to New York to MetLife Stadium, though this is a stadium the Seahawks have dominated in. They came into tonight's game with a 6-0 all-time record at MetLife Stadium against the Giants, and they took that number to 7-0 tonight with a 24-3 win over the Giants, but they won this game a bit differently than they did the last two weeks when the offense was clicking on all cylinders, and first off, you want to talk about a night full of injuries. The Seahawks in the first half alone lost both of their starting guards, Phil Haynes and Damian Lewis, exited with calf and ankle injuries respectively, did not return, and they already were without Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas at the tackle spots. They had to slide Evan Brown over to left guard and put rookie Olu Oluwatimi in at center. So the fact that they had all those injuries, I think we can give the offense a pass for the fact that it was a rough outing for the offense compared to the last couple of weeks and only a couple of touchdown drives that were actually on offense. But the story of this game, was the record-setting performance by Seattle's defense in terms of rushing the passer. They came into this game with a clear intent to utilize their linebackers and their safeties and their corners in their pass rush. They blitzed a lot. They set extra pressure after Daniel Jones, and Bobby Wagner was talking about it after the game. One of the reasons was because of Jones' ability to take off and run. They wanted to really turn the heat up on him. He was able to get away a few times and had 66 rushing yards in this game, but most of those runs came late in garbage time. They did a pretty good job bottling him up and ended up with 11 sacks in this game. Ten of them were on Daniel Jones, and one of them was on Paris Campbell. He was getting ready to throw the ball on a trick play, so that play actually counted as a sack for Devin Witherspoon, one of his two sacks tonight, but you you look at the numbers, it's extremely impressive for the Seahawks. A franchise record tying 11 sacks in this game. And it's the first time in team history that four players had two sacks in the same game. Uchenna Nwosu, Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, and Devin Witherspoon. So not only was this a game where as a team they racked up a bunch of sacks, but they had four guys get multiple sacks in this game. They got contributions from all three levels. Again, this goes back to the idea that it seemed like Clint Hurt took a page out of Wink Martindale's playbook. The Giants play caller who loves to send extra blitzers. The Giants came into this game blitzing almost 60% of the time. They blitzed the Seahawks plenty in this football game. But Seattle, they kind of turned the page, even with Jamal Adams, unfortunately, 
suffering a concussion just nine plays into this game. Adams looked pretty good in those nine plays, so it's unfortunate, just more bad luck for him. But even without Jamal Adams, the Seahawks were able to get a pair of sacks from Devin Witherspoon on corner blitzes. They were able to get two sacks apiece from Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks, so they were getting contributions at all three levels. And then really the second half, you start to see the defensive line take over. Nwosu had both of his sacks, Miles Adams with his first career sack. And even when they weren't getting sacks, they were turning hits and pressures into productive plays. Midway through the fourth quarter, I thought Derek Hall had a really solid game for the Seahawks today. In the first half, he had a pressure that forced Daniel Jones to throw the ball out of bounds on third down, led to a punt. And then he had a big hit late in the game that led to an interception for Quandre Diggs. So they were all over the quarterback, whether it was defensive tackles, edge rushers, linebackers, corner safeties, you name it. Everybody was getting involved in this sack party. And it's one of the reasons the Giants, who started four for seven on third down, ended up finishing six for 16 in the game, 38% for the game. And a big reason that that happened is because of that pass rush coming to life, particularly in the final two quarters. They had four sacks in the first half, but Midway through the third quarter, when the Giants had to start throwing the ball to try to play catch up, it really became a feasting moment for those guys up front and the Blitzers as well. And so the Seahawks were able to take advantage of that. And that was really the story of this football game and getting some key turnovers as well. They get a strip sack from Mario Edwards. They get the pick six from Devin Witherspoon. They had a fourth down stop on the first drive of the game on a quarterback sneak that they held serve. Daniel Jones didn't get past the marker. They weren't able to replicate that tush push that the Philadelphia Eagles seem to do every single week. And you're seeing why it doesn't need banned because most teams can't do it near as well as the Eagles can. But Nonetheless, this game was won with that pass rush, how ferocious they were getting after Daniel Jones, leading to turnovers, short field, a night where the offense wasn't able to do much with Geno Smith getting his knee banged up, losing a couple starting offensive linemen, made it difficult for the Seahawks to be able to get any traction on offense to get those quick change-ups, get some points off of defense, was huge in this game and ended up leading to a commanding 24-3 to victory. So the Seahawks are in really good shape now. They're going to go into the bye. they got to get healthy, but this is a good time to have an early bye. Get those guys that are injured. Jaron Reed got banged up tonight, too. Get those guys healthy so they're ready to go for the Cincinnati Bengals in week six when you get a nice two-week break here. So the bye couldn't come at a better time for this football team. Unless you're looking from a momentum standpoint with three straight wins, they're now three and one. They're just behind the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC West, still ahead of the Cardinals and the Rams now at two and two. So they are squarely in second place in the division going into their bye week. And so uh, this was certainly a big win for Seattle, especially if the Giants can turn things around and get back into the wild card race. They now have wins over the Lions and the Giants which that could be big late in the season when you get into playoff ramifications. But the Seahawks are thinking bigger than that right now. They believe they can still compete with the 49ers for the NFC West Championship. And if they're able to rush the passer the way they did today, and they're getting big plays from Devin Witherspoon in the secondary, get a healthy Jamal Adams back and keep him out there, avoid the bad luck like we saw tonight. Maybe this defense with a rejuvenated run defense up front, Maybe this team can compete with the San Francisco 49ers and certainly an impressive win, even with the offense not playing up to an A-game standard, even a B-game standard tonight. They were able to overcome that with a dominant performance from their defense. And Pete Carroll, Clint Hurt have to be really excited about that. Coming up next, I'm going to dish out my weekly game balls on offense, defense, and special teams. Don't go away. You're listening to the post-game edition of Locked On Seahawks.
which is brought your way by our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. When I was a site manager, LinkedIn Jobs was my go-to to post writing positions and to land top candidates. And they make the process easy and seamless. All you have to do is create your job post and then add your job with the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hired. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedInNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedInNFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the post-game edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to each and every one of the 12s. I know it's late, especially for those of you that are listening on the East Coast or overseas. It's really late, especially on a Monday night football game. Greatly appreciate each and every one of you making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Coming up tomorrow, since we had Monday night football, we'll have some Tuesday musings. Rob Rang and I will be teaming back up, and we'll be dishing out some thoughts on what we saw on tape in this 24-3 win for the Seahawks against the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium. You won't want to miss it. Let's get to our weekly game ball, shall we? And I'll admit that this was actually a pretty tough week to do this on both sides of the ball, but for different reasons. Seattle's offense, 280 yards total, 281. It was far from the best performance. Geno Smith talked about after the game. They've got a lot to improve upon. As I mentioned, it's not a game that you can really evaluate this offense because they had all the injuries. They were basically without any of their starters at the end because Evan Brown was playing a different spot. He was playing left guard, and yet they were able to find ways to put up enough points to win this football game. So uh, not saying this to be critical because the offense had so many injuries, but it was not a great game for the offense. And on the defense, giving up just three points, getting a bunch of turnovers, getting a team record for sacks. <laughs> There's a lot of players that you could pick for game balls. So let's look at the offensive side of the football, shall we? Our player of the game here, on offense, I actually decided to go with Noah Fant, the tight end, who had one of the few explosive plays for the Seahawks in this football game. He caught a 51-yard pass from Drew Locke late in the first half. Locke coming in for a few drives to replace Geno Smith and teaming up with the one guy that he has a major connection with. They played for several years in Denver to start off their careers, and he creates after the catch. It was so exciting about that play is Drew Locke was able to show off his legs on a third and 10, roll out, show off the athleticism, and then he dumps it off to Noah Fant, and then he tight ropes the sideline, 51 yards. I'm still not sure how he was able to stay in bounds. He got hit by a couple different defenders, and he managed to keep his balance and avoid going out of bounds, and then he dove for the end zone, came up just short with his knee hitting the ground when he was at the one-yard line with the football. Ken Walker, the third, punches in on the next play. So he ended up finishing this game with 63 receiving yards on two catches. That is not the best game a receiver tight end has had for the Seahawks in this season even, but today with the offense having some issues, only going three for 13 on third down, that was one of the conversions they had, and it was a key time. It was only seven to three at that point, and for him to come through with that big play, set up Ken Walker the third's touchdown, and put the Seahawks up 11 at halftime. 11-point lead felt insurmountable today with the way the Giants were struggling on offense and the way the Seahawks were playing on defense, but that was a big play. 
late in the first half that really gave some momentum for the Seahawks in the second half, and they were able to continue pulling away. And I thought Noah Fan also had a couple decent blocks in the run game as well in the second half. So a really solid game for number 87. On the defensive side of the football, this really is not difficult because one player stood above the rest. And I'll talk about a few other players in the three up, three down section that had worthy games that probably would have been game ball worthy in other games. But you have to go with Devin Witherspoon, who I think has a very good chance to be the defensive player of the week in the NFC this week. You look at the numbers that he put up, seven tackles. He had two sacks in this game, a touchdown on the pick six in the third quarter. And he also had a third quarterback hit, and he was rocking guys in the run game. He was doing it all today for the Seattle Seahawks, and you got to see why they drafted him fifth overall. And we talked about it in the pre-draft process with this kid coming out of Illinois. I know he's not big at 180 pounds, but this guy plays like he's 215, 220. He comes up and smacks people. He hits cleanly. This is not a guy that's going headhunting, but he will smack you, and he's so explosive off the edge. When you put him at the slot, he was able to shoot out like a cannon to get his first sack on Daniel Jones, and the second one was on a trick play to Paris Campbell. He was get ready to throw so they counted that as a sack but nonetheless he had three quarterback hits in this game he had two sacks he had that pick six had a couple really impressive tackles against the run game so if you were somebody that was questioning this selection i know it's just one game but to do this in prime time in front of a national audience to stuff the stat sheet like that and do everything he was playing outside in the boundary he was playing in the slot they were blitzing him he was rocking guys, bone jarring hits in the run game, just blowing guys off off the edge. Uh, he, this kid can do it all. Seeing the football instincts, he baited Daniel Jones on that pick six, and he was perfectly placed and ended up returning it for a touchdown. He can thank Julian Love and Reek Woolen for getting downfield and helping lay some blocks there so that he could get to the end zone. But nonetheless, 97-yard return. Not the longest in team history. Bobby Wagner still has that record, and he'll make sure to tell him that. But an impressive play nonetheless. It really turned the tide because if the Giants scored there, they were on the three-yard line. If the Giants score there, it's a one-score game. And we might be having a different discussion right now, but that really took the wind out of the building, that pick six, and put the Seahawks up 21-3. to Just a really impressive game. And again, I actually would be surprised looking at the box scores around the league. I don't know that there was a more productive defensive player in the NFL this week let alone just the NFC. I think he's got a great chance to be the defensive player of the week for the Seahawks, giving them two players of the week, back-to-back -back weeks, Ken Walker the third, getting it on offense a week ago. And then on the special teams angle, this was a little trickier today because Seattle didn't get a lot of opportunities to return kicks and punts. There were only a couple guys that made tackles today. There were two special teams tackles. Michael Dixon did what he always does and has some solid punts. Jason Myers had a really bad field goal miss. So I got to go with a guy that continues to impress me, and that is DJ Dallas. He had one punt return, and he returned it 23 yards. You are seeing this kid return punts with conviction right now. He's just being much more aggressive. He did have two fair catches that were the right call. He should have done that. He had defenders bearing down on it, but he has been more bold about returning punts. He's showing explosiveness. He's breaking tackles. He also had a 30-yard kick return, so at 26-and-a-half-yard net average. I feel like DJ Dallas is one of the more improved players on the Seahawks in terms of what he's doing on special teams. We already know he can go down and make tackles. We've seen him block kicks and punts before. But he has really taken a step forward as a punt and kick returner. And this was a position that I thought they might look to 
switch things up a little bit before the season because DJ Dallas has had kind of inconsistent performance in that regard early in his career, but he's been pretty good. He might not be that guy that's going to hit home runs for you, but he is showing that he can return punts and do some damage. He breaks tackles. He's a different style player for that, and he is confident in catching the ball, which is a big part of that punt return game. We've seen some really good athletes that couldn't do that, and so you can't trust him to be out there. The Seahawks trust DJ Dallas, and you can see why he continues to get the job done for them on special teams and when he gets his chances on offense, too. This is a guy that's improved in pass protection. He can run the ball. Didn't have any carries tonight. Didn't have any catches either. But when he's on the field, he's a guy that can do some effective things in all facets on offense for the Seahawks. So this is one of those glue guys you got to have in your roster. And I'm really impressed with how much he's improved returning kicks and punts this season. All right, let's shift now to our three up, three down. The players who improved their stock the most this game and the players that are going to be looking to rebound after the bye week in week six against the slumping Cincinnati Bengals. And let's start with the three up, the players that have positive contributions. And on the offensive side of the football, I had a little tougher time with this one, but I was able to make a selection here. I was really impressed with what we saw. And this kind of goes back to Andy Dickerson. You could put Andy Dickerson on here as one of the big winners, but they were able to bring in Anthony Bradford. You, you slid Evan Brown over to left guard. You've got a rookie in Olu Olu Timmy. So I think we've got to put the two rookie linemen on here. I thought Bradford had the key block on Ken Walker III's touchdown run at the end of the first half. He made some nice blocks and pass protection. Were there some misses? Absolutely. But look at who he was going against, Dexter Lawrence. He is one of the best defensive tackles in the entire NFL. And so this was a great opportunity for him to grow on the field against top competition. These are as good a defensive linemen as you're going to play against. And I thought Bradford did a solid job. And Owen Timmy, the two games that he's gotten action in, he has not looked like he has been out of his element. You'd expect that from a guy that played at Michigan last year, started so many games at the college level at Virginia and Michigan. He hasn't looked phased. He's jumped right in. He's been able to get snaps to the quarterbacks. He's done a good job at pass protection. He's had some nice run blocks. So these two rookie linemen, you can see the improvement from them. And really the depth Seattle's got on the offensive line, I think it's the best depth they've had of the entire Pete Carroll era dating back to 2010. For them to be able to shovel the line the way they are and still be productive on offense. I know it was not a great game offensively for Seattle, but you had a quarterback that was banged up too. So I think that played into it, but I thought the offensive line overall played pretty well, especially in the interior with all the injuries that they have had over there. It's certainly something that is a big upgrade from what we've seen from the Seahawks really in most of the Pete Carroll era. And then for my two players on defense here on three up, I got to start with Mario Edwards, who is coming off maybe the best game of his career against Carolina. He had eight pressures in that game by my count. And again, there's subjectivity to that. PFF had him down for nine. He had two pressures in the first half, and one of them today was the strip sack on Daniel Jones that Jordan Brooks recovered inside the Giants' 10-yard line. A couple plays later, Geno Smith hits DK Metcalf for a seven-yard touchdown. That put Seattle up 7-0. That play was big because Edwards was actually not the one that had the initial pressure on Daniel Jones. He was able to get away from Uchenna Nuosu, but Edwards was hustling behind, and he ends up knocking the football out of Jones's hand. Brooks recovers it. 
I've just been really impressed. This is not supposed to be a strength in Mario Edwards' game. He is not supposed to be a great pass rusher from the interior, and yet we're looking at a guy now that has had at least 10 pressures. I didn't see any in the second half, but that doesn't mean there weren't any there with the pass rushing onslaught we saw. But this guy's got double-digit pressures. He's got the strip sack. He's been really stout against the run in these games, too. He has, under the radar, been one of the best additions that Seattle made on this roster at free agency, and they signed him in May. He was a late free agent signing, and so I've been really impressed. And he's taken a lot of pressure off of those edge rushers as well. With that pressure that he and Jaron Reed and Tremont Jones are creating, you can't have guards come over and help out. So these tackles are getting ideal or these ends are getting ideal one-on-one matchups against the tackles. Boy, Maffe had a sack where he was able to just shoot right past the tackle. We've seen that happen a couple times the last few games. That's the impact of having an interior pass rush. So I think Mario Edwards has been fantastic the last couple weeks. Underrated, under key, one of the more impressive players for the Seahawks on the defensive side of the ball the last couple games. They can keep getting performances like that from him. It is going to pay huge dividends for them going down the stretch they get into the meat of their schedule and really he's playing outstanding football maybe the best football of his career and this seems to be a scheme that fits his skill set and his size really well and last but not least here on my three up i know this is going to sound cliche because bobby wagner already has his stock through the roof he's a future first ballot hall of famer but we talk about the numbers that devin witherspoon put up Bobby Wagner had 17 tackles. He had a pair of sacks in this game. He was all over the field. He had a couple really nice reps in coverage, too, where he was showing he still got plenty of movement skills. The Giants got him a couple times, but he just continues to amaze me at 33 years of age, what he's able to do, how how productive and how dominant he has been, and just the ripple effect that he has had on everybody else in that front seven really the defense in general would run defense i think getting number 54 back has been crucial to that run defense being as good as it has been the giants running backs barely average over two yards per carry today that is without saquon barkley so that's obviously something you got to consider here but still the seahawks have been shutting running backs down these first four games of the season and i think that number 54's impact cannot be overstated with what he's been able to do coming back into this defense, the influence he's had on the young players, working with the veterans in front of him, and everybody just seems to be in the right place. They're playing so much more sound with their gap responsibilities. Compared to last year, it is night and day, and you got to believe that Bobby Wagner is the key reason for that. Now, going to three down in a victory, you don't want to lay it on guys too much, but there's always a few players, especially today. The, the offense really struggled in this football game, and the first player that I'm going to mention here on three down is a guy that just we haven't seen that big game. In fact, we haven't seen a moderate game from him to this point. And that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. He was targeted five times today. He caught three passes for a grand total of five yards. Now, I don't know if his I'm sure that he was impacted some by what was going on with the offensive line with Geno Smith not being healthy, playing it well below 100 percent. And there was a couple throws that were just a little bit out of reach, but there was one from Drew Locke right after Locke came into the game that he got it on his hands. That is a pass that a first-round pick should catch. And so we just aren't seeing Jackson Smith and Jigba make the plays that we were expecting to see, especially how great that he played throughout training camp before his wrist injury. And maybe that's still something that he's trying to work his way back from, but they just can't seem to get him in sync with the offense. Today was tough for the passing game in general, but it's it's been a little disappointing to this point, the lack of production that they've gotten from their other first-round pick. And I think at some point we are going to 
see that breakout game like we saw. Maybe not quite to the level that Devin Witherspoon had tonight. I mean, that was a fantastic performance. But I still think Jackson Smith and Jigba's got a pretty big game coming up here in the near future. They've just got to get some reps in still. they got to get that experience together, the chemistry in games. And I expect you're going to see that. But the production right now is very underwhelming. Five receiving yards for a game. You're expecting a lot more than that from your first-round pick. And then at right tackle, Jake Curhan had a really tough matchup today. Kayvon Thibodeau is a fantastic player who can win with power. He can win with speed. And he had several dominant rushes against Jay Curhan in this game. Curhan gave up a pair of sacks on Geno Smith and Drew Locke to Kayvon Thibodeau in this game. And they were in the first and the fourth quarter. So you look at the way that he has performed in these three games starting for Abraham Lucas. I thought he played really well against the Detroit Lions. I thought against Carolina, the performance was not quite up to par. This week really was a struggle. So maybe it's just teams are getting film on him. Maybe it's just the opponents. Again, Kayvon Thibodeau is going to do that to a lot of really good tackles. He was a top five pick for a reason. He's a really talented football player. But the last couple of weeks, we've seen a little bit of a slippage in play from Jay Curhan, who is a solid rotational offensive lineman. And he's done some good things when he's had his opportunity to play. But they're hoping they can get Abraham Lucas back because there have been some issues with pass protection on the right side here the last couple of games. And this one, he gave up at least a couple of pressures and two sacks to Kayvon Thibodeau and had some issues in the run game as well. So seeing his performance is starting to regress a little bit. They'll be hoping to get their starters coming back out of the bye week in Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. And last on my list here, I'm going to go with three offensive players because, you know, when your defense gives up three points, and I just, nobody jumped out to me as, you know, somebody that stock really crashed on defense. It was a dominant effort for the entire group. But Colby Parkinson was a player going into this game that I thought had a chance to have a monster performance going against the Giants defense that had given up the second most receiving yards to tight ends. But this was really a non-factor performance for him. He had one target. Geno Smith way overthrew him, so that's not really on him. The throw just wasn't a good one, but he wasn't targeted the rest of the game. He had two penalties. He had a false start and a hold that took away a big run for the Seahawks. That was really all that he did in this game, and it's unfortunate. We didn't get to see Will Disley get involved in the passing game, and we didn't get to see Colby Parkinson. Disley was more involved in the run game, but it was just a rough night. Parkinson had more penalties than targets, and this was just a game that I expected that he was going to be a much bigger factor for the Seahawks. And some of it might have been with Geno Smith's injury, but for him to only have one target and no catches to have two penalties, uh, it was a pretty rough night for the fourth-year tight end out of Stanford. He'll be looking to get back on track against the Cincinnati Bengals coming out of the bye week. He's in a pretty good season at this point, but uh, certainly that was his worst game with no catches and two penalties. Uh, not a great night for him or Will Disley coming out of tonight. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. Make sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang. The two of us will dish out Tuesday musings here, a little different week since the Seahawks played on Monday night football. We'll be dishing out our final thoughts and answering some Tuesday mailbag questions. Make sure that you are listening in. Enjoy the rest of your evening or early morning if it's Tuesday where you're listening in from. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. Go Hawks.